Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, www.edgechurch.co.za or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. Enjoy listening to the sermon today. Happy Mother's Day to every one of our moms. I, I want to say I, I, I love you guys. Thank you for everything. I salute you, moms. I don't, I, honestly, I don't know how you do it all. Uh, I came across, I was reading this thing about a grade two teacher that was teaching the kids about this thing of a magnet, like, you know, you put on the fridge, magnet. And so she's explaining to them what it is, and she's doing this whole thing, and then a couple of times she says, we're going to run a test on like what we've learned. And so they say in the test, they write here, they said, the test said this, my full name has six letters. The first one is an M and I pick up things. What am I? And half the class responded, a mother. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was always so true. Moms just have a way, um, not only of their kids, but also of their partners to pick up after them. And so thank you. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And it is an honor for me to be able to share on Mother's Day. Uh, I must be honest. I'm always nervous when I have to get up to speak every single Sunday. But for this service, I was like, what? I, okay, obviously I'm not a mom. Like, it's obvious. But, and I kept on thinking, so what do I share on Mother's Day? What, what, what message do I bring across? Like, I can't fully relate to everything and, 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 and that kind of stuff. And I was like, if there's one truth that I would have to share today, what would it be? And so I've been wrestling with this, this thought in my head, and for some time now, God has been taking me on this journey, um, and been doing this work in me personally, in just some of the areas and thoughts that I've been having. And, and so I've been praying and saying, God, what, what's one thing that I could share today for our moms that are here, that are online with us? And it was, I believe God gave a word and he, there was these, this, this thought that came to me that I want to share with you today. But I just want to actually put a disclaimer on it as well. Although it is Mother's Day and we're celebrating and we're honoring you and this whole day is dedicated to you. Um, but I do believe that this word is for, in fact, every single one of us. So, so my focus is Mother's Day, but it is, it's applicable to, to all of us. And actually, particularly men. Because this is the journey that God has been taking me on and, and the place that he's been working with me. And it was this thought that I felt God prompted that I want to share with us for Mother's Day. And it's the title of my message, You Are More Than Enough. The, on Mother's Day, this, I want to share a message that speaks about you are more than enough. And, and I thought to myself, how, how real was that video? Ask bunch of moms, get them together, and they had no idea what their kids were going to say. Ask them, how do you think they're doing? Versus to what their kids think. You see, because if, if like me, and if we're completely honest, all of us, at some point of our journey, some point of our life, there's been a time where we feel that, am I enough? Am I good enough in what I'm doing? And, and there's a space where maybe regularly you might even say these things over you. Uh, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I don't have enough skills. I, I don't feel like I measure up to, to those moms at school. When they drop it off, they look so good in the morning. I like barely make it out the car with my child alive. And you're looking and you're looking at them and you're like, how did they have it together? Uh, maybe you don't even apply for 
work promotions because you think, I won't get it. I'm not good enough at this. Or it's the thing of like, if people really knew my past, if they really had to know who I actually am, I don't think I would be accepted or even a part of this. Or maybe these words, you are not good enough, has been spoken over you by someone who's close. Maybe as a young kid or older, these words of, you are not good enough, has been spoken over you. Church, please hear me as, as, a, as a mother, as a, as a parent, as a dad, as a, um, as a man, as a child, hear me. These words of you're not good enough is not words that come from Jesus' mouth or even the way he displayed, the way he modeled his life. And I think, and being and seeing it, I think moms, and even in that story, they carry this thought I think the most. Am I doing a good enough job as a mom? Am I caring for my household or trying to manage all these things? You heard it like I'm trying to juggle all these balls and if one drops, I carry that guilt and I I don't even think it's a little bit of guilt. I think there's like truckloads of guilt that is carried. And you know the weight of that guilt upon you, the weight of even those words of you're not good enough, it it goes with you. You might not be saying it publicly to people and you're like, well, I don't feel good enough. But actually it goes into every aspect of the way in which you parent, the way in which you you operate in your household, the way in which you're in your relationships, the way in which you're in your workspace with friends. Because what happens when we carry that, that truckload of guilt or the truckload of feeling I'm not good enough, our self confidence gets knocked. Self-worth of, am I enough? And we carry that with us. And I want to take us back to this question that I've been asking us since the beginning of the year. We started the year, I kept on, I've been reflecting on this question, go back to, how do you believe God sees you? Because the way in which you view God will determine the way in which you approach him. And I want to take you and remind you to this principle, this truth seated here online, that you would hear these words, that you are more than enough. You're not just enough. You are more than enough. And you're like, great, Dan. Obviously, you would choose a topic like that for Mother's Day because it's only a nice little prep talk for us. Please hear me. Why I put that disclaimer right in the beginning, even as men? We often carry this, this, this thing of, we got it together. We're good, good. How you bless you, brother? I'm good. <laughs> but actually, when there's the quietness, there's the questions that we sometimes ask, am I, am I a good enough husband? Am I providing enough? And that question of how do you view God will determine the way in which you approach him. I want you to hear the truth and see how, and we see it in scripture. It's not a nice just printer's quote that I'm trying to say. In scripture, how Jesus actually models, and this is the most significant thing about our Savior. He doesn't just give us a list of instruction. He's like, here we go, children, follow these. He actually models it himself. He displays it from his own life, how he lived and how he causes us to live. And we see, and I want to show you this story, which for me, I think it's one of the most iconic encounters that happen. It displays how Jesus sees us be more than enough. Found in John 4, the woman at the well. You see, this story, and I want you to imagine, you know me, I love imagery and trying to get into the moment when I read scripture because it comes alive to me then. To try and imagine this moment of what would be taking place here about the woman at the well. 
And to give you some context to get you into the story, the woman at the well is about a Samaritan woman. And what's interesting is that she's never named. She's literally known as the woman at the well. She's never named, but yet it's the longest recorded encounter with Jesus the Messiah than with any other individuals in the, in the book of John. But she's never named. But as we see the most conversation and dialogue that happens with Jesus, and what's significant about this and the Samaritan woman is that it wasn't a random encounter. It wasn't just like, a, oh, by the by, this happened and Jesus was there and this woman was here. There was a purpose. There's no coincidences that takes place here. Because this woman is desperate. We're going to see in the story about her past, these things that she's, she's desperate to feel that she's enough, that she's accepted, that she's loved, that actually there's a purpose for her. She's desperate to feel that, that mercy that she so badly needs. And so she has this encounter, and this encounter with Jesus, and I love the song that we sang in the first one, just one, one touch, one moment. You see, this encounter with Jesus leaves her life completely changed, so she, she runs back to her village, and she tells him, she goes, I need to tell you about this incredible moment where I met the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and, and, and through him I see that I am more than enough. And that must have been quite a moment when you start to see who this woman was. So on this Mother's Day, I want to leave you with three truths. Three learnings that are displayed by Jesus that we can model for our lives that display this truth, the words that Jesus says that you are more than enough, is number one. We see this truth because Jesus, he sees you. I want you to hear this, that, that he sees you today. You see, because in this portion of Scripture, in verse 3, we start to read, it says, So he left Judea and returned to Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria on the way. He, why did they put this verse in here? Because it wasn't a coincidence that Jesus has this encounter with the woman. He had to go through this way, and then he meets her. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Shur, where the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. Take note of when it actually happened. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink of water. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And then she said to Jesus, like, hello, why are you talking to me? You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You see, this is significant because the, the context of what we just read now, what was happening, the, there were some unusual things that like, why, why, would, why would this happen? Because in that day and time, when, when water would be drawn, it would not happen in the middle of the day, at noon. When the sun was at the t highest, the temperatures were soaring. And remember Psalm 23 when we went to the Good Shepherd? We started showing you displays of what that imagery looks like of the terrain. And it wasn't like you were sitting under a palm tree and laying on a hammock and drinking out of a coconut and it was this beautiful weather. It was hard. It it was a tough terrain. And so going down at noontime to go draw water, it wasn't normal. 
So here's this woman who's drawing water at noon, which is, number one, is unusual. But then the second thing, which is also not the norm, is that she came by herself. You see, in that day and time, women, like, they would, they would go always together, either after sunset or before, to draw water for their family and for the animals. But they would do it together, like, like we go to the bathroom together at times. They would go together to go draw water. But now at this point, she's by herself. And it makes you think, why would she have been by herself? She must have been isolated, outcast from the rest of the community. Oh, that woman, mm -mm. don't go with her to the well. And then even what's more unusual about the story of what you read was that in the fact that in the culture of Jesus' time and, and, and in that era, men really, if ever, would speak to women, much less a Samaritan woman. It was not a thing. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? The guy like that was nearly dead, chafrek on the road, and then someone comes, and they all look at him, and no one wants to help. The priest, the Jew man comes past, no one helps. But then who helps? The Samaritan. And what is the principle of that, of that parable, what we read, is that in actual fact, there was that surprise and the shock to the Jews that a Samaritan could be the good person in the story. Like, impossible. And so, in the same way, with this Samaritan woman at the well, she would have been the last person that Jesus would have been spoken. But Jesus, as a Jewish man, he sees her. He sees her. Why does he do that? Because Jesus saw her. He didn't see what status she has in life. He didn't see, oh, do you have it all together? You're this perfect mom that's just so great. He didn't see what her past was. He didn't see even what gender, what race. He didn't see any of that. He saw the person that was created in the image of his father. He saw her. We know what it's like when someone has a conversation with us. And you, you know when they, they, they look at you. And there's times where someone says, like, I feel like you're staring into my soul. <laughs> so often, because we're in a culture where it's like, yeah, how's it going? No, good, thank you. And you just carry on. And we always, like, the, the eye engagement is less and less. But in this moment, he sees this woman and he engages with her. You see, about the truth about Jesus that I want you to hear today on this Mother's Day is that Jesus sees you. He sees who you are, regardless of any other things, anything from your past, anything from what you think you couldn't be or what you should be. He sees who you are, you. You're the way in which he created you. And like I said, there was no coincidence that this encounter happened. Scripture said he had to go through this village, meaning there was a divine appointment that needed to happen for this woman, and he had to see her to have the appointment. Today, Jesus sees you. Are you willing to engage back with him? Or do you feel like there's a barrier that doesn't allow you to see him? You see, because that's the first truth that you see on this mother, and I want you to hear this, uh, that Jesus sees you. The second one that happens, that shows that you are more than enough, that regardless of anything else that you might feel, is that he knows you. And we know in Scripture, we can see this in Scripture, how he, he knows this woman. 
because of this, and I'm going to say actually very awkward encounter. Because there's times that I read scripture and I like, I like laugh to myself. I'm thinking, can you imagine being a fly on the wall in this moment or a fly on the wall and you're watching this interaction taking place? Because <laughs> verse 18, it says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. <laughs> I can just imagine Jesus like, yeah, you're right. I know that. You don't have a husband for you have five husbands. You don't have one. You have five. And you aren't even married to the one that you're living with now. And then she responded, you certainly spoke the truth. And then he says, so if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, I would give you the living water. And, I, and I, when I read this and I think to myself, what a, why would Jesus ask a question like that? Like, how awkward would that moment be? Like, she gets it. She's gone through five husbands. And then now this one that she's with, she's not even married to and she's living with. You're clearly, number one, marriage didn't work. Number two, there was more things. And then you can start to figure out who's the common denominator in this whole situation, yeah? And so it's like awkward. Why does he ask that? I believe when it comes down to the very truth, and, and sometimes if you can read that, and if you don't know who, and the way in which you view God, remember that question that will be determined you approach him. Sometimes you can read that, and that'll be like, that's accusation, and, and the way he's accusing it is a judgment in there. But that wasn't the way in which he was directing what he said. Because he says to her, I know. I know you've had five husbands. I know your very past. I know what you're struggling with. I know the things that, that maybe you think that you can keep hidden. I know them already. And at this point, the woman didn't even know that he was the Messiah. So she, at this point, is thinking, oh my word, this is the prophet that's in the house, that he would know these things. But hear me. He knows her, regardless of even the mistakes that she might have had, the feelings that she's not good enough. He says, I still know you. And I choose to engage. I choose to see you. Please hear me, church. That regardless of what is, what currently might be happening, Jesus comes and he says, I still know you. I know your deepest sins and secrets, and I still love you. And in that moment, I believe what the bottom line of that question was when he says, can you go get your husband? Was truly he was trying to say, can I, can I offer you forgiveness and love in this moment? And because in that, when he says, if you only knew the gift in verse 10 that he has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living waters. Church, please hear me. When we don't feel like we're good enough because of, oh my word, if you only knew, he already knows and he still chooses you. Psalm 103 verse 8 to 9 says, he's merciful and tender towards those who don't deserve it. Who doesn't deserve it? I'll be the first one to put my hand up. But he's merciful and tender. He's slow to get angry and full of kindness and love to us. He knows you. He knows you you and then the third one he chooses to focus on your future not your failure 
You see, in this story, what happens in this encounter, she has this interaction and she realizes that this is the savior of the world. And she, she's overwhelmed. And I can just imagine her like going, I don't care about the water anymore. I'm going back. And she, she goes back to a village and knowing that she's an outcast, knowing that she's not accepted. And she starts to say, can I tell you guys what's happened? I had an encounter. I, had a, I met the savior who said to me, I can have living water. He saw me. He knows me even with my mistakes with my five husbands. And you know, he's more interested in my future because can I tell you, this is a part of my future, going to the very village. And we see this in scripture. It says many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman, um, woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear this message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe you. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he's indeed the savior of the world. You see, it's this truth what happened and why Jesus is more focused on your future because than your failures. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation. The past is forgotten and everything is new. You see, that whole story of what happened, if, if that woman in the world didn't have that encounter and that moment... What, what would happen with the rest of the village? What would happen with, with our others there? You see, because Jesus is like, I'm not focused on your failures. Please hear me, lady. I'm not focused on your failures. I'm focused on what your future is because there is a plan that I have for you. There is so much more that I desire for you that you would drink from the living waters that you would understand the grace and the mercy and the love and the tenderness and the kindness that I have for you. There is a purpose for your life. Go and share that testimony. You see, because that's exactly what happens. When we have an encounter with Jesus, our story speaks for itself, where we can tell others. And let me tell you, that moment would have changed her family's life. That very moment would have changed what could have been the outcome for her children, what could have been the outcome for others because of that moment where Jesus says, listen, I care about what your future is. The, the old, the, it's forgotten when you come and you drink from the living waters, it's gone. And I believe that if we can understand this truth, that if we fully grasp that our Savior says that you are more than enough, I know you, I see you, I'm, I'm focused on what your future is, not trying to focus on your failures, there will be freedom. Why John 8, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. When the Son sets you free, that woman was set free from a moment with Jesus. And that moment changed so much of the course direction of her life and Father's where she could love God and love other people and share the gospel and the story. Did it start off all okay? No. 
Did she have things in her life? 100%. Do you think after that everything was just praise the Lord, Kumbayama, and everything was perfect? I can tell you no. But she had encountered Jesus and then she received the cup of living water for her life. And the story that I want to share with you now, Amora speaks about this, her past, what it started like, and how God has crafted her story, how he's worked everything for the good. As a mother, as a mother of her own biological and a mother of 32 others, how God has used her story, and I want you to listen to Amora's story. Hi. I'm Moira. Today, this Mother's Day, I want to share my story, but I want to start off by reminding us that what happened in the past doesn't have to define who you are today. I can't take credit for my life, but I give thanks to God every day for everything, the good and the bad, as He uses it to mold our lives and for His glory. So this is my story. When I was a little girl, My father was a fisherman going out to sea for long periods of time. My biological mother worked at House of Nazareth, which was a Roman Catholic home and boarding school in Cape Town. She was a woman of God, spending many hours sitting in the chapel, seeking God's presence. My mother passed away when I was four, and that was when it all started. My four older siblings were just about finished with school or already working, so they went to live with my grandparents. My two brothers and I were sent to House of Nazareth. My father would fetch us when he was home, and I hated those times. Today I know that my father was a pedophile. He would take me to his bed at night because he said he missed me. When he would drop us off at House of Naz, he would never enter the grounds. He would park outside the gate under the trees. While my brothers were told to go on ahead, I had to stay in the car to say goodbye. I remember being surrounded by nuns and doctors. At four years old, I had syphilis. But nobody did anything to protect me or change my situation. That was my life until he met my stepmother. She and my father were married by the time I was five. My saving grace was my stepmother whom God sent from across the seas. She was a beautiful young scientist from the UK who had chosen Australia as a new home, but at the last minute was asked to consider South Africa. I do not believe in coincidence, but rather God incidents. We moved to a lovely double-story house close to where my mom worked. With my mom came my granny, who I adored spending time with. Life was good for a while, but I soon found that a double-story house meant that my father still had access to me. When I was in the bath, he would come into the bathroom to shave while everyone else was downstairs. I look at photos and cannot fathom why such a beautiful woman would marry my father, but deep in my heart I know that God had chosen her to be mine. If not for her, I doubt I would have had a good education. If not for her, I doubt I would have lived a life free of drugs and prostitution. In my five-year-old words, I told my gran what my dad was doing. 
She in turn told my mom, but my father explained it away, and so it continued. After my granny passed away, I was sent to boarding school. Things still happened when I went home, but as I grew older, I didn't go home as often. When I think back now, I can see that even amid the ugly, God had a plan. Ultimately, God is in control. We can trust Him to work all things together for the good in the lives of, the, of those who love Him. Romans 8 verse 28 After matric, I came back to Cape Town with no real support system. Ended up partying and dancing till all hours of the morning like most college students. It was during this time that I met my husband, who was not a godly man. Unfortunately, the belief that a woman normally marries a man like her father is in most cases true. My ex-husband is not a pedophile, but although he is a genuinely good person, he's a womanizer. This is a sickness probably like alcoholism. So I ended up bringing my children up on my own, and I remember being like a lioness, claws out and ready to protect them at all costs. My daughter at age four was the one who started waking me up on Sunday mornings, requesting to go to church. For months I sat in church, silently weeping. I slowly once again learned to know God and trust Him completely. He cleansed me, wiped my slate clean to such an extent that I never thought of the misfortune of my childhood, but remembered only the good, the fun, the laughter, the people who loved me. Very, very rarely did I remember the hurt. God gave me the gift of forgiveness, the gift of unshakable faith, the gift of divine joy. He filled me with an overwhelming love for people. I started a soup kitchen in Paro and in the winter I would drive around, going into places others were afraid to go, feeding people, handing out clothes and blankets that found their way to me. This journey continues and is about caring for others and through what only God could do. My colleague suggested I apply for a senior house mother position at Oasis organization. I was invited to an interview. The HR manager suggested that I go to the home for a weekend and assist as a relief worker. This way I would meet everyone and could then make an informative decision. On my way to the home I prayed and said, Lord, you know that I know nothing about intellectually disabled people. But if you want me there, give me an overwhelming love for these people. And that is exactly what he did. From the moment I walked into the home, I was filled with love, so great it took my breath away. I knew for sure that God had chosen me for this position, but still was not sure I wanted it, as if I had a choice. I started going every second weekend, but still had not accepted the position of house mother. It took another seven or eight months of praying God's will, but not really committing, until the day before lockdown. I got a call asking me if I would go into the home for lockdown, which was initially for three weeks. Lockdown at Chucka Road lasted eight months. One night during the lockdown, I lay looking up at the stars and realized that everything I had experienced and learned in life, I was using at the home. 
My days were filled with talent shows, fashion shows, tea parties, fancy dinners, games, exercise sessions, story time, dancing to music from the 80s and 90s, laughter and so much joy. I would think up activities to keep them busy and fill their life with color and excitement. Why do I work there? Because I love God and I love people, all people. To love God means to be obedient to Him. I believe that everything is for a season and this is my season to be mommy to 32 intellectually disabled adults. In all of this, God truly focused on my future for my children and others than, fo than focusing on my past. For the last 25 years, I've had a coffee date at five every morning. Before I open my eyes, I think of my king and I thank him that I've been spared another day to serve him. My constant prayer is, Lord, what can I do for you today? Sometimes it is a daunting chore that scares me, but he equips me for whatever he wants me to do. And my answer is always, yes, Lord, send me. I have learned that my mission field is right here, right now. I've learned that I am the church. I've learned that the joy of the Lord is inside of me and all I have to do is choose it. I pray that my story gives you hope. I pray that you choose to allow God to do for you what he did for me and that is to bring healing, freedom and love. Remember how you started life does not define you. Mario was in our first service. How you started life doesn't have to define what your future is. You see, Jesus is more interested and focused on your future and your past and hurts and regrets and failures. You are more than enough. Moms, I want you to hear this. And what I was like, God, what I share on this Mother's Day. You are more than enough because your Savior, He sees you for who you are. He knows you. You don't have to hide. And he's so concerned and saying, there's so much more life to the full abundance that I want for your desire, your future, and for your others and, and those in your life and family and colleagues. There's, there's so much more I desire. Because it was that moment in, in verse 10 of chapter 4 of John. We say, so if you only knew the gift that God has for you, if you only knew who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you the living waters. And I had that imagery of seeing, I know Jesus was asking the woman to say, can I have a drink of water? But in actual fact, in that moment, as she poured the water and said, I will give you something to drink, Jesus turned it around and said, no, I want you to drink this gift of living waters, which is my grace and my forgiveness and my salvation. You 
You see, that was the ultimate gift that could ever be given to us. And on this Mother's Day, I hope you have all got gifts. There's still time to go to Woolworths and to go buy all of that stuff. But you hear me? Moms, all of us, the greatest gift that you can receive is the gift of living water. You see, because it's the gift of living water that says that you are more than enough. And so this morning, I want to ask you, will you receive it? She was asked, but actually in turn, Jesus had given it back to her and said, drink the living waters that I desire for you. Come on, let's close our eyes. And in this moment, I do believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking and I want you to ask him, what are you saying to me right now in this moment? Just reflect. Ask him, Holy Spirit, What are you speaking to me about? In this moment, I, my prayer for all of us is that you would be filled, overwhelmed, filled with that sense that I am enough in the eyes of Jesus. Even when I don't feel like it or the words have been spoken or my past says this, that I am enough. And for all of us, God, I pray for, for this congregation as a pastor. I pray over here, those online right now, that they would receive and I ask you, receive the love of God, the mercy and the grace. The most beautiful thing is that what grace do you need right now? What grace? Name it. I need grace for my patience. I need grace for my doubt. I need grace for my fear. I need grace for that just, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Ask for it. And you know what he says? He will give you the grace for that. And so God, all across in this space online, I pray that you would meet us there in that space and receive that grace and the truth of the words that you said, that we are more than enough. We are enough for, for you and in the eyes of you and that you offer us the living water, which is, which is you, grace and mercy and forgiveness and salvation. And so in this space, I receive it. We receive it right now. And as we continue to pray, I want to pray for another group. And in this space, when I ask you, will you receive the living waters? Maybe you've never made a decision to actually say, I, I, I want Jesus. I want to drink from the living water. I need him. Or, or you have so long ago, but actually, you know, you're not drinking from that cup anymore. It's dry. Your heart is cold. But today he says, come, let my waters run over you, flow abundantly over to you. Will you receive it? Will you know the truth that he sees you? He knows you and he's so focused on what your future is. And that's you saying, I want to receive that. I need salvation. I need to return to him. I, I've been so lost. 
I want to be able to pray with that. All eyes are closed, including our host. All eyes are closed. If you say, Dan, will you pray for me? Just lift your hand up so I know I'm praying for. Say, I need to receive that grace. Amen. You can put it down. Amen. You can put it down. Amen. Make a decision and you're saying, I need Jesus. Just one more time. You're saying, will you pray for me? Just lift your hand up so I know I'm praying for. Amen. You can put it down. And now I want you to do this. I want you to pray this prayer. If you, if you lifted your hand, I want you to, to really mean this prayer that we pray together. Dear Jesus, today I acknowledge that I need you. I need the living water like that woman at the well. I, I'm having a moment with you and I need you. I acknowledge that I haven't had it together. I've been trying to run my own life. And God, for this sin and this thing, the way I've been living, I acknowledge I need you. And so I ask that you would forgive me. I confess of that. And I believe that you are the living water. So I want you to say it in your own words. Jesus, I need you. Say it. I accept you. In your own, make it personal. But you say the words. Say, I want you. I turn to you. Whatever it is. So God, for all of those who said that prayer, I pray that you would meet them where they are. The living waters that flow. Thank you that we have that. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this moment that I believe that your Holy Spirit was moving, that people were encountering you. Thank you for your grace to all of us. And God's people say together, Amen. Amen. God bless.